From the Lord is deliverance. His blessing is on his people. Your family of Christ, the people of God, my brothers and sisters. David, from the Old Testament, was a great guy. A talented man, a gifted musician, a powerful king, a charismatic leader. He had a lot going for him, but I would not trade places with David for all the money in the world. We're told a little bit about the life situation David was in when he wrote this psalm, Psalm 3. In your Bibles, it probably says something like this. A psalm of David when he fled from his son, Absalom. David, as much as he had going for him, as brilliant of a leader as he was, he was going through a really intense struggle when he wrote Psalm 3. Because his son, his own son, was conspiring against him to take the throne of Israel. Absalom had gone about Israel spreading propaganda against King David, saying, you don't side with that guy, you should side with me. David doesn't care about you, only I care about you. And so Absalom, Scripture says, was inciting the hearts of the people against David. To the point where David had to run away. He had to run, from his, run for his life from his own child. What father wants to go through what David was going through? I mean, David was hiding out probably in a cave somewhere, hiding out, and he probably still had memories of bouncing little Absalom on his knee. He probably could still remember what Absalom's little infant cries sounded like. And now the thought that his son had grown up and wanted him dead? No one needs that. And what man wants to go through what David went through? To have your entire legacy ripped out from underneath you. What person wants to go through what David went through? Knowing that there was a group of people out there who once called themselves your closest friends and now they want to see you bleed because they might gain from it. No, David had a lot going for him, but I wouldn't trade places with him for the world. Would you? Would you want to walk a mile in David's shoes? I'll bet you have. I don't know your life story. I don't know all of your personal battles, your personal struggles, but I'm willing to bet that something about this psalm resonated with you. When David says something like this, Lord, how many are my foes? How many rise up against me? You can hear how alone he feels. And you felt that too. Yes, David has... The the number of David's enemies is astronomical. The people that want to kill him, that want to see him fail. But I think it only took one person, the rejection of one person, to really make him feel isolated. His son. And so you're not the king of Israel, and my money's on the fact that you will never be. But you know how David feels, don't you? To have one person in your life whom you love, whom you care about, whose opinion you care about so much, turn their back on you. All it takes is one person, doesn't it, to make you feel totally alone. Maybe it's your own spouse. 
who stood up before the altar of God and promised to love you and cherish you as long as you both shall live, but now it doesn't seem like they take your needs into consideration at all. Maybe it's a boss or a mentor figure, someone important in your life whom you relied on so much for advice and for guidance, but now you can hardly get their attention. Maybe it's your own parents with whom you have all these fond memories of going out for ice cream, watching movies, laughing together, but now it seems like you have to really impress them to get their attention. It makes you feel alone. It makes you feel betrayed. It makes you feel isolated. But you don't have to be alone to feel alone, do you? We live in a hustling, bustling society. There are people all around us. There are people constantly chattering. But sometimes the things that they say make us feel even more alone. When you look at the way that society around us pressures us to be a certain way, to look a certain way, to talk a certain way, to feel a certain way, to think a certain way. And if you don't measure up to their expectations, it's off with your head. No one will give you the time of day. You feel alone. You feel rejected. But what's even worse is that when I look up and I see the faces of all of my enemies, as David would say, I see my own face in the crowd. We are dragging ourselves down. Sometimes we are our own worst enemy. Because how do we react when we feel rejected? How do we react when we feel betrayed? How do we react when people turn their backs on us? We turn our backs back on them. We react to betrayal with betrayal. We react to rejection with revenge. We want to make other people hurt the way they make us hurt. And we know that's not good. We know we're perpetuating this cycle of hate by contributing to it. We know that we ourselves are part of the problem. And when society's pressures come and they close in around us, we can react one of two ways. Either we conform to what people are telling us to do and say and think and feel and look like, or we fight back and bare our teeth and get angry like a rabid dog getting put in a cage. No, the question that we wrestle with is, are we alone? Are we abandoned? And the even darker, even deeper question is, do we deserve to be alone and abandoned? Brothers and sisters, this morning, this message is about following David's train of thought and letting that train of thought be yours as well. The Psalms are not just diary entries where David is venting and gushing out his emotions just to get them off his chest. Think of it more like a letter, a letter that is written to someone. David is singing this song, praying this prayer, but who is he singing to? He's singing to the God who listens. The God who hears, the God who sees, the God who knows what you're going through, the God who saves. Because how does David continue? He says, many are saying of me, God will not deliver him. This is not David sulking. David is not moping. He's not saying, well, God, all these people are saying not even God cares about me. Isn't that sad? No, this is David slapping God on the shoulder saying, God, can you believe this? Can you believe this, God? There are people out there who actually think you're not going to do anything. 
There are people out there who are actually saying, God doesn't care about what you're going through. There are people out there who actually think that you won't do a thing about what I'm going through. They must be out of their mind. They must be out of their mind. And that's true. Brothers and sisters, if anyone, anyone, including your own sinful heart, thinks for a second that God doesn't care about what you're going through, you must be out of your mind. Because this is God. David tells us the kind of God that this is. David reminds us the kind of God that this is. David is praying to God, acknowledging that he knows God will listen, because what kind of God do we have? That's what David continues with. You, Lord, are a shield around me, my glory, the one who lifts my head high. I call out to the Lord, and he answers me from his holy mountain. When you pray to God in the middle of your darkest moment, in the middle of your deepest struggle, he hears you. David could pray to God in the middle of the worst time of his life when his son was betraying him. It reminds me of someone else who was very familiar with betrayal. You know that Jesus Christ was handed over to be crucified by one of his closest friends, Judas, whom earlier that evening that Judas handed him over was eating a meal with him and talking with him. And that on on Jesus' way to the cross, his other closest friend, Peter, denies ever having known him. And then Jesus goes to the cross, bleeding and dying, without a friend to stand up for him, without anyone pleading his case, anyone trying to get him off the cross. But what's even worse is as Jesus hung on the cross, even his Father in heaven turned his back on him. Jesus is familiar with a dark moment. Jesus knows what you're going through because he's gone through way worse. But he chose to. He chose that death. He chose that betrayal. Why? Because God is not just going to sit on his holy mountain and watch you suffer. God is not just going to stand idly by and watch and see how you work it out on your own. God is a God who intervenes. When Jesus came to die on the cross, he came to die for you, to save you, to end your struggle against your greatest enemy, your own sinful self, by forgiving you of all of your sins, by paying the penalty of hell in your place, by giving you heaven and the assurance of God's love instead. God has shown you through his son Jesus how far he is willing to go to save you from your enemies. So with Jesus, you know that you have deliverance. You know that you have salvation. You know that you have God's love. And there is no one on earth, no human being, no politician, no person in society, not even a member of your own family that loves you the way God loves you, that will protect you to the extent God will protect you, that even if the worst should happen and the the bottom falls out in your life, God will still be there to make sure it turns out for your good. That's the promise of God through Jesus Christ. The promise that David could hang on to in that cave running from his son. The promise that you can hang on to this Lenten season. That God is the one who sustains you. 
because David continues. I lie down and sleep. I wake again because the Lord sustains me. I will not fear the tens of thousands that assail me on every side. Arise, Lord. Deliver me, my God. Strike all my enemies on the jaw. Break the teeth of the wicked. That's a bit distracting, isn't it? Here David is, this man of God, this man of great faith. Here I've been telling you, pray Psalm 3, pray Psalm 3. But then David includes this verse of total violence, doesn't he? Strike my enemies, break their teeth, God. Are we really supposed to give our amen to something like that? Well, pay attention, brothers and sisters, to what David is not saying. David is not saying, ooh, God, just give me the chance. Bring Absalom to me and I'll take his life myself. David is not saying, God, give me the opportunity to throw the first punch and break some teeth. David, as angry as he is, as despairing as he is, as depressed as he is, refuses to take revenge into his own hands. He gives it over to God. He says, God, yours is the next move. You see all this. You know the injustice that's happening in front of me. You know the immorality that's corrupting my nation as Absalom tries to take it over. You know exactly what's going on, God. I leave it up to you to do what's right. And I know you will. Because you are God up in heaven, and I am not. And you know what to do about this. So I'm going to lie down, I'm going to sleep, and I know I will wake up because you sustain me, God. David recognized what you recognize. That in the good times and the bad, when it's bedtime or time to get up, God is still God. God is still with you. On the days when everything is clicking and you feel on top of the world and you have high self-esteem and everything is going well, and on the days where nothing is going right, where you feel like a pile of garbage and you feel like nothing is going well, God is still God. God is still with you. Whether you're relaxing by the TV or running around town with a million things to do, losing your mind, God is the one who sustains you through it all. That if your life is at, at, on the top of the world or it's the worst case scenario coming to life, you can trust in God. You don't have to fear the tens of thousands that draw up on every side. Even if the whole world should set themselves against you and come after you, and desire to take your life. You've got God. Even if Satan himself should pop up in front of your face and, stri- and try to scare the daylights out of you, he can't lay a finger on you. Because God is your shield. God is your protector. God's not going anywhere. Even if the worst should happen. So you know, maybe David didn't have it so bad. Yeah, he was going through a traumatic time, a very, very stressful time, a sad time in his life. But David shows us through Psalm 3 that he knew where to turn. He knew that he, by himself, was a sitting duck. But with God, he had a mighty fortress. With God, he had protection and salvation. And so do you. God sees your struggles against the enemy. He knows what you're going through, and he is determined to be your God through it all to love you through it all, to protect you, and to show you that he's not just a God sitting up on his mountain of glory, but he's near you, he's with you. 
and He loves you. Amen.